Welcome to the Soul Grit Podcast. I'm Ann Taylor McNeese, and I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist. I also love Jesus, and I'm passionate about all things gospel and therapy. I created Soul Grit to be at the intersection of mental health and Christian faith. Christ followers need a place to ask questions and get answers about mental health. Join me as we dive into real stories and real questions from people who want to honor God with their hearts, souls, and minds. Welcome back to the Soul Grit Podcast. This is Anne. I'm here to talk to you today a little bit about how we use scripture in Christian counseling. This, again, was inspired by one of my listeners who noticed in an earlier episode that we were talking quite a bit about scripture, and she felt really good that the verses that we used explained how God cares about our mental health. And she asked me if I'd go a little more in depth about how we can see in scripture that mental health is something that God actually cares about talks about with us and has some guidance for us in the scripture. So just again to remind you, if you have a question for a Christian counselor or a question just in general about faith and mental health or therapy, go ahead and send me a message. You can DM me on Instagram at soulgritresources or you can send me an email info at soulgritresources.com. Let's get started. First of all, I want to mention that Having Bible verses that you have memorized and you can spout off at appropriate timing does not make you a Christian counselor. There's a lot more involved in it. And I think that's one of the fears that people actually have about going to see a Christian counselor, that they're going to present some deeply troubling part of their life and that the counselor is just going to say something like, do not be anxious about anything and quote, some kind of Bible verse that just starts to feel like a platitude for them and doesn't actually get to the meat of the the cause of the situation, the trauma or um, disorder that they're dealing with, the relationship problem. So I want to again emphasize that I am a big proponent of Bible literacy. I want you to know your Bible and I want you to spend time memorizing scripture but I don't want you to use those scriptures that you have memorized in a way to beat other people over the head with what basically boils down to Christian sayings and platitudes. The real power in the word of God is its ability to dig into our lives, to reveal things that have been hidden, to cut away things that don't belong there, to prune us where necessary, to build us up and uh, teach us about the character and person of God. I want us to use it appropriately. My husband spent several years going through the Awana program, and my kids got to do a couple of years, too, in in Awana at our church. And if you don't know what Awana is, it's A-W-A-N-A. It stands for approved workmen are not ashamed. And it comes from a verse in the Bible where we're instructed to understand what the Word of God says so that we can accurately handle the Word of God. That means we don't use it out of context and we don't use it in inappropriate ways depending on the situation. So I really appreciate that my family has been able to experience that and know the Word of God from a 
very young age and have that hidden in their hearts. When I share these Bible verses with you that I'm about to share, I want to do it with that caveat that you know that I never would approach somebody with a slap a Bible verse on it kind of attitude. But sometimes in counseling, some of these verses that I'm about to share are very um, helpful and and formative in what we're doing. There's a few verses that I'll share that actually inform the work that I do as a counselor and inspire me to do the work, which I believe is kingdom building work in the counseling room. So with that being said, let's get into my top 10 verses that I use in counseling. First, probably I've shared this on a podcast before, Romans 12, 1 and 2. It says, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. And the part that I want to zero in on here for the purposes of therapy is this part that says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. There's a lot of things that we do in counseling that have to do with bodies and and feelings and emotions and your heart, but a big part of our work is in your mind and transforming those thoughts, teaching you how to identify thoughts that aren't helpful to you and replace them with thoughts that are better. So a lot of the verses that I'm going to be sharing today have to do with your thoughts and your mind and having transformation and renewal in those places. So Romans 12, 1 and 2 are kind of the theme verses for that. You may have heard last week, I talked a little bit about cognitive behavior therapy. I'll probably talk a little bit more again about that next week. And that's a evidence-based practice. It's a a scientifically tested way of helping people overcome depression and anxiety. But when we look back at what the Bible's been saying for thousands of years, it matches up perfectly with what scientists have now found in the last century to be able to help people. It's changing out our thoughts for better thoughts, producing better feelings and behaviors, and transforming our lives. The number two verse that I like to use, and this I've said, I think I said in a previous podcast, if I had to get a tattoo, it would have to do something with this verse. It's Philippians 4.8. It says, and now dear brothers and sisters, one final thing, fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. This verse goes along with what I was saying about Romans 12 and how we uh, experience transformation with renewing in our minds, exchanging thoughts for better thoughts. So when the Bible says, fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable, it's telling you exactly what kinds of thoughts God thinks you should have. So... As we talked about intrusive thoughts last week, sometimes those thoughts pop into your mind and you feel like you don't have any control over them and you really didn't want them there in the first place. But if they do come into your mind, you have an option of thinking about some of these things that are mentioned in 4.8 
Philippians 4, 8. And so one thing you might need to do is give yourself some examples of thoughts that are pure and honorable. Maybe write them down on a list or in a journal or in a note on your phone. Like things that you can think about when you're thinking about the wrong things. Number three verse is Colossians 3, 1 and 2. It says, Since you have been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven, where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. Are you noticing a theme here? There's a lot of verses here in the New Testament that talk about how we're supposed to think about the things that are of God, not the things that are of the earth, of sin, of the flesh. So here's another example where God tells you that he wants you to set your sights on the realities of heaven. Think about the things of heaven. When we're thinking about those things, we have less time for worry, anxiety, and negative thoughts to cloud our minds. Number four verse is Ephesians 4, 21 through 23. It says, Since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. I think this fits really well with the first three verses that we um, talked about today because you might have had this experience when I was telling you just think about positive things just think about things of heaven and you know in your spirit that you're not able to do that on your own strength and here's where you get the power because it says let the spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes it's not something that you have to do all by yourself you don't have to figure out how to renew and transform your mind all by yourself you have to show God your willingness, and then he's going to help you through his spirit. This verse also talks about throwing off your old sinful nature, your former way of life. And for some of us, our former way of life might be tainted by anxiety, depression, broken relationships, trauma, abuse, any of those things. And so this when it says that the Spirit wants to renew you, it's talking about those things too. This is another one of those guiding verses for counseling. The fifth verse is 2 Corinthians 10.5. It says, We destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God. We capture their rebellious thoughts and teach them to obey Christ. In other versions, it might say, We take every thought captive to obey Christ. I love this idea because it's saying, it's not just like in CBT where I'm going to write down a negative thought and replace it with a positive thought. It's saying that those negative automatic thoughts are actually rebellious thoughts, that they're not obeying Christ because they're not rational and they're not helpful and they're not beneficial. So when we capture them, I always get this, this picture of maybe like, like I have a lasso or something and I've thrown the lasso over the thought and I've roped it in and I've brought it in and I've held it before Jesus and I've said, what do you think about this one? And he's been able to tell me if this is a good thought or not a helpful thought, one that I need to get rid of. So maybe if you develop some imagery around that, it's again, this is the New Living Translation. It says, 
we capture re- their rebellious thoughts and teach them to obey Christ. So use whatever imagery in your mind helps you to do that. But sometimes having that like visual picture in your mind helps you to do the thing that you need to do with your thoughts. Next, I'm going to share Isaiah 61.1. And this verse kind of inspires me as a counselor because I feel like it defines some of my role in, in people's lives. And of course, this verse was not talking about therapists when it was written. It was talking about the um, pre-born Christ, but it says, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me. The Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to comfort the brokenhearted and to proclaim that captives will be released and prisoners will be freed. Now, a lot of times in the prophets of the Old Testament, what we'll see is that there's a spiritual truth that is valid for all time. And then there's like a temporal truth that is valid for the the time of the prophet. So when Isaiah was writing this, he could have been referring to himself as the one who was going to bring good news. But we know also that a lot of his writing was... uh, predicting and foreshadowing what would happen with Christ in a spiritual sense. So when he says the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me, we know that he's both talking about himself in the moment and Christ in the future and for all time. But I like to just look at it and think about the miracle that God has done in my own life and in the lives of other therapists that I know that are working for kingdom and for, for our King Jesus because look at we're bringing good news to the poor, we're comforting the brokenhearted, we're releasing captives, and we're freeing prisoners. And there may have been an actual physical release from prison that Isaiah was talking about, but we know that sometimes abuse and trauma and depression and anxiety can act as a prison they can make you, they can hold you captive and they can break your heart and those are the things that we work with as counselors all right number 7 is ephesians 6:10 through 18 this is a longer passage and it's the part about the full armor of god so hang tight i'm going to read through it with you it says a final word be strong in the lord and in his mighty power Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all the strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then, after the battle, you will still be standing firm. Stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth and the body armor of God's righteousness. For shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you will be fully prepared. In addition to all of these, hold up the shield of faith to stop fiery arrows of the devil. Put on salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Pray in all times. And on every occasion, stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. I could probably do a whole series of podcasts just about 
this set of verses, but for our purposes today, I just want to mention a few of the items that are in the full armor of God. First of all, we've talked a lot about today about replacing thoughts, replacing bad thoughts with good thoughts. And what's the best source of good thoughts? It's ultimately the Word of God. So that's one of those reasons why I want you to know the Word, read the Word, memorize the Word. When you know the word, your sword is sharp and you're ready to use it at any moment to to defeat the enemy in the same way that Jesus did when he was tempted. You get to use that sword of that scripture that you know in your heart and that's where your victory will come from. You also have that shield of faith. A lot of times when I'm working with people with their automatic negative thoughts, what I see is, yeah, there's a clinical or a, just a cognitive process going on, but there's also a spiritual battle that's being fought for their minds. And those automatic negative thoughts are sometimes those fiery arrows from the devil. So hold up your shield of faith, your faith in God, that he will protect you, that he will provide for you, and that he will see you through to a hopeful future. That faith in God and your ability to recall all the times that he's been faithful to you in the past are your shield that will stop those fiery arrows. And finally, let's just talk about the helmet for a second. The helmet, I make my kids wear their bike helmets to protect their brains when they're riding bikes. And the same for soldiers that would have put on a helmet in battle, like Paul was talking about in the first century they wanted to protect their heads. And what do we do with our heads? Well, that's where our thinking comes from. I want you to notice that when Paul talks about the helmet of salvation, he's also implying that we have to protect our minds and our thoughts. How do we protect them? Through the knowledge of the salvation that Jesus has given us. So because we have salvation through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, we have a helmet to put over our heads. We have a protection for our thoughts and our minds. So like I said, I could go on and on about this set of verses, but I just wanted to point out a few of those pieces of armor that help, help us in this counseling process of renewing our thoughts and transforming our lives. All right, moving on to number eight, Isaiah 26.3. This is going to seem really simple after all that talk about Ephesians 6. Isaiah 26, 3 says, You will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you, all whose thoughts are fixed on you. So for my friends that have anxiety, my clients that have anxiety, this is a really helpful verse because that part, you will keep in perfect peace, that's the part that they struggle with. Like when you have anxiety, you don't feel perfect peace. And knowing that God promises that to you is a big relief. And how does it say that that happened? When you fix your thoughts on Jesus. So this is way back Isaiah in the Old Testament, but that fits perfectly with those first few verses that I shared, where God is instructing us in the New Testament to fix our thoughts on heavenly things, to think about good things, to take our thoughts before him. Okay, number nine, Romans 8, 6. It says, so letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death, but letting the spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. 
This is another one of those opportunities that we have to partner with the Holy Spirit in running our lives. God gives us a lot of freedom to make choices and to mess up, honestly. But he also says that the Spirit will be there to help us make good choices and to align our hearts and our actions with what he's asked of us. So when we let our sinful nature control our mind, it says it leads to death. There's actual, literal, physical death. There's spiritual death. And then there's just living a life that is not joyful, is not peaceful, is not hopeful, is not an abundant life. But it says the Spirit leads to life and peace. So when I shared from Ephesians 4, verse 23, that said, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes, this is another reminder that the Spirit is willing to step in and help us with controlling our minds towards life and peace. And that's not control in the way of a dictator or authoritarian. It's giving you power in that process. Okay, finally, number 10. I'm going to share a little bit of of a story with this, and then I'm going to highlight one verse in the story. This is going way back in 1 Samuel chapter 1 to the story of Hannah. Hannah was a woman whose husband loved her, and she loved him, but she didn't have any children, and that wasn't acceptable in her day. She's very upset, especially since she got pestered a lot by her sister wife. Hannah really wanted a child, and she was so desperate that she went to the temple and she prayed. She was, her mouth was moving, but she wasn't actually saying words, it it looks like in the scripture. So when Eli the priest came up to her, he thought that she was drunk. He told her to get rid of her wine. And she pleaded with him and said, oh no, I'm not drunk. I'm just really desperate. She poured out all of her sorrow and she was crying in in despair to God. And then Eli saw her and heard that she was bringing this problem to God in the temple. And when he heard her story, he told her, don't cry anymore. Get up, come back by next year. You're going to have a baby. And in that moment, Hannah had the opportunity either to say, yeah, right, old man, you don't know. You don't know what my sister wife has been doing to me. I've tried all these years to have a baby and it's not worked. But instead of doing that, what she did was she believed the man of God. And the verse right after that, it says, then she went back and began to eat again, and she was no longer sad. When I really studied this verse, I was like, what? Because I've been depressed a lot of times in my life, and I never was able to just be like, okay, I'm no longer sad. So it was really surprising to me to see that Hannah's reaction was just to believe what Eli said about God and then to stop being sad. So what that told me was God can handle it when you cry out to him in desperation. And God wants to answer your prayers. And once you believe that, you don't have to be sad anymore. I'm not saying that's going to be a quick or easy process. I don't know how it worked for Hannah, but it didn't 
work that way for me, where I could just decide not to be sad anymore. But what it does show me is that there's hope for that, that Jesus wants to heal. He wants to give you good things in your life. And you can trust him that you no longer have to be sad in your life. Again, this this section is probably something I could spend a lot more time on, but I just wanted to point it out to you that there are some verses there in the Old Testament that talk about your sadness and and how you respond to God. So over these 10 verses, we've talked a little bit about anxiety, depression, trauma, abuse, troubled relationships. You can see where there's a lot of opportunities for these verses to speak into those moments in your life. And as I said, it's never my idea to see a client for therapy and to just slap a Bible verse on the story that they're bringing in. That's not how God treats us, and that's not how counselors should treat clients either. In fact, it's not how Christian friends should treat each other. We can listen and have empathy, and we can show with excitement the hope that we have that comes from the Word of God. I'm praying that as you listen to this, you will be inspired to dig into your Bible more. When I find a verse that strikes something in me, I always make sure I highlight it or write it down somewhere else, because you could get a list of the top 50 Bible verses to memorize, but the Holy Spirit is going to speak to you individually, and sometimes the verse that you need to memorize or you need to remember for that day is not going to be one on the top 50 list. So I'm sharing my top 10 verses for counseling today. You saw that a lot of them have to do with renewing your mind and changing your thoughts and that Jesus and the Spirit are here to help you do that. I also will always encourage you to find a trusted Christian therapist that can help you revitalize your thought life and submit those things over to God. If you'd like to know more, you can visit my website, soulgritresources.com, send me a message, and maybe try out that cognitive behavior therapy with scripture offer that will pop up when you go on the website. I talked a little bit about it last week, and if you download it, you'll get a whole video where I demonstrate it with an actual real-life person. So I hope you find that useful Again, I'm here to answer questions and hope that you'll message me, and I hope that this was helpful today. Just a couple of notes here at the end. I use the New Living Translation for all the verses that I shared in today's episode. New Living Translation is very readable. It's in modern English. It's perhaps not the best study Bible because some people do consider it as more of a paraphrase than a literal translation. But if you want to be able to get through your Bible and get more out of it, sometimes it's best to have the Bible that you can actually read in language that you would normally speak. So that's why I use that one today. I also wanted to mention to you that you can sign up for my email list. And what you'll get on that is approximately once a week, you'd get an email from me where I'm announcing new blogs, new podcasts, and other useful information and opportunities for you. I'd love to bring you into the family 
So go ahead and visit www.soulgreatresources.com and enter your email there so you can be part of my list. The Soul Grit Podcast is a production of Soul Grit Resources. You can find more at soulgritresources.com or on the socials at Soul Grit Resources. You can email me at info at soulgritresources.com.